Hey guys, Zach here. You're about to listen to our 10th episode anniversary of the Scripture Study Project. And I just wanted to let you know it's a little bit longer than a normal episode, but totally worth it because I've got two of my best friends, Garrett Shields and Dan McKinley, who agreed to record the episode with me as we dive into the Isaiah chapter. So it's definitely worth your listen, even if you have to break it up into two sessions. And I also wanted to just let you know that at the end of the episode, if you're at all interested in listening to us laugh a ton, uh, I stuck in a couple of bloopers, mostly just to make Garrett and Dan laugh when they listen to the episode. So enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to the Scripture Study Project, a fresh and faithful study of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you're learning to others. I am super excited for this episode because I am here with my two best friends and scripture study extraordinaires, Garrett and Dan. Welcome guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I thought when I was putting this together, we just finished reading the Harry Potter books as a family. And I thought, remember the, what is it? The radio that they're listening to when they're running around in the wilderness. And it's like, oh, it's like baby. Fred or George. And they have like code names that people come on. And so I thought of introducing you guys by the code names, the giggle <laughs> <laughs> and not Steve. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> it's okay. As long as Garrett and I get it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so that people can get to know you guys, um, I thought maybe I'd just ask you if you would tell us one deep, dark secret about yourself that will surprise even your closest listening friends. Wow. What would it be? As long as Dan goes first. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already ready. <laughs> um, my name is Daniel McKinley. My deep, dark secret is... One of my favorite movies of all time is While You Were Sleeping. <gasps> I love it that movie. Amazing. It's so good. I used to watch it with my mom. Yeah. And I just watched it the other day and I'm like, yes. oh, I miss my mom. <laughs> now wait, did you watch it alone? Yeah. <laughs> so Jesse came home and she's like, what are you watching? Nothing. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Okay. Um, I don't have one that deep and dark that... <laughs> Uh, that I should share, right? But this is uh, going to have to require me giving you my man card. I've never mowed a lawn in my life. What? Never, <laughs> I didn't even know that. mowed a lawn in my life. Yeah. All growing up, my dad, we didn't even have a lawnmower, right? And so growing up, my dad didn't mow the lawn. We grew up in Arizona and there was just landscaping businesses that would do it. It was like high schoolers or whatever. And so... I've never, I, I don't even know if I've ever touched a lawnmower, to tell you the truth. <laughs> you're going to say, I don't even know if you touched a lawn. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, right? To this day, still don't mow my lawn. So if anyone out there is looking for lawn care service, <laughs> call Garrett. <laughs> well, I'm super excited to have you guys. Um, we have been friends for years. And uh, when we first started this podcast, actually, one of the very first ideas Chris and I had was, we've got to get more people on this. This has to be bigger than just us talking in our closet about the scriptures. It has to be lots of people talking about it because, of course, there's so many people that are passionate about scripture study. And so I'm really excited to have you guys with us. Um, this is our 10th episode. Uh, it's our 10th episode anniversary, <laughs> And so uh, we're diving into the Isaiah chapters. Uh, if you want a preface 
to the Isaiah chapters. Our last episode, episode nine, gives you a little teaser for it. Gives you maybe a study tip and some ideas of of what Isaiah is uh, trying to teach. Um, so this episode, we're diving deep. Of course, not as deep as you could go. There's whole institute courses taught on the Isaiah chapters, uh, and we're going to just cram as much as we can uh, into about the next half hour with you. But anything that we can do to help you navigate the chapters um, in a way that makes Isaiah come alive for you, because the reason why we are here and the reason why we're doing this is because we really believe that it can make a difference. Um, you guys already know this, but Isaiah, Nephi quotes 13 straight chapters of Isaiah here, which is over 20% of the whole book of Isaiah. And he, of course, he quotes it in a couple other places. And Abinadi quotes Isaiah and the Savior quotes Isaiah. So Isaiah is kind of a big deal to the Book of Mormon authors. He's their, he's their Joseph Smith, for lack of a, of a better example. So, so what we thought we'd start with is our study tip. And I just want to spit it out to you guys. In your study of Isaiah, what tools, what techniques have helped you to really understand Isaiah better and understand him in a way that maybe means something to you and helps you in your own life? I'll just mention mine. I am really simple, right? But anytime, anytime I can use a resource that's easily accessible and free, I do. And so uh, just the seminary and institute student study guides and student manuals, I think are so good, right? And they have really great quotes and commentaries, but they also will give the history of Isaiah, the symbolism behind it, and, and try to give some little helps there. And those are all available on Gospel Library, on LDS.org. That's my go-to. There's a lot of good material. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into those, right? There's a whole mm-hmm. correlation process of brilliant mm-hmm. minds that put together those manuals. So yep, that's a great resource. My resource is perhaps a little less orthodox than <laughs> most Latter-day Saint listeners. Um, my go-to help is called Bible Hub. It is a website that gives several different translations of the Bible, and for me, it helps clarify the meaning. I used to be very anti-other mm-hmm. translations, right? Mm-hmm. The King James Version is the only li- <laughs> true and living <laughs> translation, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and I had a BYU professor open my eyes to that, and I'm going to actually walk through today kind of an experience I had using Bible Hub and gaining something really unique from Isaiah. That's cool. We had, um, there was a, a comment on a post I read recently where um, the poster, who's a member of the church, had used a different translation of the Bible in the post, and someone responded in the comment with some really critical, I guess, attacks on them for <laughs> using a, a, another translation. I noticed, maybe you guys saw this too, in, I can't remember if it was this last conference, the one before, that President Uchtdorf actually quoted from uh, the NIV translation of the Bible in his conference talk. So if you need if you need authority <laughs> that you can go to other translations. And... There's a lot, I guess. It's cool to me. I, I bought a, an ESV study Bible a couple of years ago, and it blew my mind. There's just so much Christian scholarship out there. And, <clears throat> This is the Book of Mormon series that we're in, but when we hit these Bible chapters, I think we really go amiss if we don't include the hundreds or thousands of years of people that have been studying the Bible and have really, really good thoughts on them. Yeah. Zach, can I add in one more tip? Yep. Just because that might feel a little overwhelming <clears throat> for people, right? Okay, so I need to get the Institute Manual, <laughs> and I need to get this ESV Study Bible, and I need to get the Bible Hub and <clears throat> save that as one of my favorites on my computer browser. I think another study tip that can be really helpful when you're coming to the Isaiah chapters is 
just get what you can get out of it, mm-hmm. right? Don't overwhelm yourself. You may have time to go to Bible Hub and all these other places, or you may not. You may just read through and you may just get one one-liner that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that that's, really that's an important point to remember in our day-to-day study of the scripture. Sometimes we can dive in and other times, I don't understand this, but man, that's a cool three words. Mm-hmm. Right? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so I think that's another important study tip when it comes to these Isaiah chapters. That's great. Okay, so we're going to dive in, um, and if I can, maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll set this up a bit, and I won't give too much backstory because I know that you guys might have more to say about this than I do. But um, Isaiah's world that he lived in, um, of course, he lives in the southern kingdom of Judah. Israel, the kingdom of Israel, is divided into northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Isaiah lives in the southern kingdom, and his world is surrounded in war. And uh, Isaiah's kind of the prophet that is sent to try and get the country of Judah and the people to, at this last chance, repent and change and turn back to the Lord. And they don't listen. And I think Nephi likes Isaiah because he feels that same way. When he's writing this, he is, it's Nephi and the Nephites that have separated themselves from the Lamanites. And his world is kind of a world of war. He's got his brothers on one side and, and he's here in the middle feeling kind of trapped and surrounded. Mm-hmm. And I think we can see a lot of similarities to that in our day, not just physical war, which is everywhere and on the news, but, but spiritual warfare and sometimes feeling like we're just overwhelmed. In fact, if you look at the first couple of chapter headings, uh, in second Nephi 12 through 17, there's some good in there, but it's mostly bad that's <laughs> happening. Isaiah's <laughs> telling all the bad things that's going to happen. And, um, it, it, I think, can be depressing to read if you don't understand why it is that Isaiah is giving out all of this bad. He is setting it up to illustrate the good that's coming. And so that's what Nephi says in chapter 11 when he introduces Isaiah, that he delights in the coming of Christ. And he quotes Isaiah because Isaiah has seen the Savior. And Isaiah delights in the coming of Christ because it's the bright spot on his horizon and maybe for us, it's the bright spot on our horizon. So that's the question that we're studying today is in a world where we feel kind of embattled by temptations or, or physical or mental or emotional battles. Uh, what good news is there that this Old Testament prophet, who's quoted by a Book of Mormon prophet, who's been quoted by who knows how many <laughs> modern-day prophets, who's now being quoted by three nerds talking about the scriptures. <laughs> and has been quoted by the Savior, too. And has been quoted by the Savior. What does this prophet have to teach us that might make us a little bit happier? Dan, you want to kick us off? No pressure on <laughs> <me>. Wow. <laughs> okay. So as I studied, I got three chapters in. That's how many of the Isaiah chapters. Uh, Garrett says, keep it simple. Oh, I did. All right. So, Dan, you're done. Moving on. <laughs> so I was promised uh, mic time, and I'm going to get it. <laughs> so chapter 12. Uh, this is how it started. I started reading. Verse 1, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. 2, and it shall come to pass in the last days when the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. I thought, oh, that is a sweet, I know that reference, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. It's talking about the temple. Boom. (laughs) And I I start getting excited like, oh, I am understanding this. Verse 3, many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
And that is some neat symbolism that、mm-hmm. people will invite others to come to the house of the God of Jacob and will、mm. walk in his ways. Verse four is a very well known. For me, it's kind of like this go to interfaith verse.、Hmm. You can chime in, but he shall judge among the nations, ye, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore.、Hmm. And I've heard it used as an interfaith dialogue, as a help to,、okay. hey, let's put away our swords.、No, I like let's、that. work together in this. In the cause of Christ,、mm-hmm. it stays positive. O house of Jacob, come ye, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Yea, come, for ye have all gone astray, every one to his wicked ways.、Mm-hmm. Then I read verse six, and I was extremely confused. <laughs> Therefore, O Lord, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob. And I had one of those moments, like, did I just switch chapters? <laughs> did I accidentally turn the page because it was so happy and it was inviting people to the house of the Lord? And then it's, oh, by the way, Lord, you forsook your people, the house of Jacob. And I and I I really had to walk back, and I went to Bible Hub, right? And there's commentaries at the bottom of Bible Hub, and it just clarified verses one through five are past tense. Sorry,、hmm. future future tense. Okay. Verse prophecy. Two. Yep.、Mm. Verse two, and it shall come to pass in the last days, which for some reason I skipped right over,、mm. and I had all these happy moments. Verse six is present tense. It's Isaiah talking about his people、mm. who have gone astray,、oh. and the Lord has to let the judgments come upon them and these consequences for their actions come upon them,、mm. and for me, I. I Would mention this tip of sometimes I have to slow down, and I I rush and I rush and I I feel like I get to the end of the chapter and like what did I just read?、Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I got the chapter done, and, and that's so terrible of me. But to take it a little slower and realize Isaiah's writing, yeah, a dual prophecy. He does want to talk about the latter days, but he's also talking about his own people and his own days. I would I I do think though I hope that people don't interpret what we're saying as. Discount the cool stuff in those first few verses, right? I think there is powerful, powerful symbolism in this prophecy. There's powerful、uh, kind of recognition that this prophecy is starting to come to pass, right? That, that in verses two and three, that we are getting temples, that we are having people come to the house of the God of Jacob. And, and you mentioned that, Dan, but I would hate for people to misinterpret what we're saying about、uh, slow down and, and look at all these other things as as. Discounting the cool、yeah. prophecies being fulfilled. Yeah, great point. Well, let me walk you through just a couple more things. Chapter thirteen now is a well-known chapter because towards the end, if you look at the chapter heading, it's talking about the daughters of Zion,、mm. <clears throat> and you get to these kind of funny verses, right?、Uh, if you start in sixteen. Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go and making a tinkling with their feet. Pause for immature laughter. That was good. That was good. Okay, okay, I got it. My goal was to make Garrett laugh. I got Garrett and Zach. Yes. <laughs> Okay, and you skim the next few verses, right? Bonnets, ornaments, rings, nose jewels, crisping pins, glasses, fine linen, and verse twenty-six. And her gates shall lament and mourn, and she shall be desolate, and shall sit upon the ground. I don't know about you guys. I have heard at least, 
a couple of lessons where these verses are used to teach chastity. Mm-hmm. Or modesty. Modesty, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For men and women need to be more modest. And I think mm-hmm. that is great and has its place. Mm-hmm. But it was pointed out to me on by a BYU professor, Gay Strathern, who's amazing, and Bible Hub, that chapter 14, verse 1, is a continuation of chapter 13. There should mm-hmm. be no chapter break there. Mm-hmm. And look at verse 1. And in that day that we just talked about the daughters of Zion, mm-hmm. seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to take away our reproach. And if you go to this Bible Hub um it's just so cool. I'll give you one example of a different translation. And I'm not saying it's a better translation, but I like it. And if it helps you understand, maybe Bible language is a little confusing sometimes. <laughs> maybe Isaiah Bible language is, is even, even <laughs> right. So the New Living Translation says this. In that day, so few men will be left, referencing all of the wickedness and the wars and the, the destruction. destruction. Right. Okay. Uh, so few men will be left that seven women will fight for each man saying, let us all marry you. We will provide our own food and clothing. Only let us take your name so we won't be mocked as old maids. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is cool. And well, then, I mean, that's not cool. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That translation is cool. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. And so if you go to the bottom, they have all these commentaries by different biblical scholars and they talk about the importance of being married, the importance of childbearing, that these women aren't going to have that opportunity. So rather than bear that kind of shame, they would rather just beg for a man. It doesn't matter how many wives are attached to this man. We just want to be married. We want to get rid of this reproach or shame. This is real life Isaiah's people dealing with the consequences of their poor choices. I think you're really getting at the heart of one of the keys in understanding Isaiah that is that slowing down um, and maybe not reading into Isaiah some of the things that we want to see in him, but letting him speak for himself and talk about what's going on in his life. And then I also see the connection between that and what's going on in our lives. I mean, uh, we can certainly see some of the degradation of the world that we live in because people turn away from the Lord. Oh, yeah. um, we can see the mocking or the the decreasing value placed on marriage or the decreasing availability of of covenants. But I, I'm looking right now at verse two. What's the what's the good news with this? And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm stealing no, from ahead, you or not. But um, in that day, in that same day that all of this is happening. Shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, mm, cool. and the fruit of the earth excellent and comely to them that are escaped of Israel? Mm. And I like the idea that there's an escape from this, that as bad as Isaiah's world is becoming, that there is an escape. And parallel to us, as bad as our world may seem to be getting, that there's an escape for us. Yeah. That's awesome. The rest of the chapter talks about the hope, dwelling place of Mount Zion. Smoke by day, shining of a flaming fire by night, and how, verse, this, how the Savior is going to come in. And I, I was just going to say, look at verse 4. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion yeah. and purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof. That washing and purging mm-hmm. and cleansing. Yeah, we, 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 I focus a lot on the negative, right? The world, is, it's so bad. It's so... You're going to bring kids into this world. Yeah. Like, but, but there is there is so much good. Yeah. And there's a lot to look forward to and hope in. And the Savior's at the center of all that. That's so. cool. That's really cool. 
that's actually a good segue to mine, if you're okay. Yeah, go. Skipping ahead a little bit. Um, before I kind of share the insight that really stood out to <clears throat> me when I did this study uh, of the chapters in preparation for this, um, I want to just take us back a couple years. Do you remember Christmas 2014? Oh, you know, Christmas the church has a great year. Should we start singing? <laughs> God rest ye merry It would have been really impressive if you would have actually started singing song and harmonized at the same time. The worst no, harmony, you... what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> this is a judgment free song, Jared. <laughs> Well, little did I know that my my comment would would incite <laughs> singing singing <laughs> uh, to each their own. But uh, well, actually, part of mine will make a song come to your mind. But uh, Christmas 2014 is when the church, you know, they've had these initiatives and kind of these social media campaigns, right? That was the year they did the hashtag He Is the Gift. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? And they had the video and it showed them wrapping presents and they said the first gift of Christmas is actually. Christ. He is the gift. And the scripture that they quoted for that is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Our Savior Jesus Christ is this incredible gift given by Heavenly Father and offered himself, so given by himself as well in that sense, right? Um, but one thing that it doesn't clarify in that verse or in the video is who he's giving the gift to. Who is Jesus Christ being given to? Hmm. And I think we get that in chapter 19, verse 6. And a couple years ago when I was reading this verse, it's these words stood out to me. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. It's hard to not read this and not think of the handle song, right? And his name shall be called Wonderful. (laughs) That was really good, actually. (laughs) And his name shall be called Wonderful counselor and, and many of you are probably aware that the some translations there's no comma there so it's just wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace i think it's just i think it adds a lot of power to recognize what it just told us there unto us a child is born unto us a son is given right um this gift of jesus christ isn't just any old gift that's it's given to us it's given to you and me right uh, and that adds so much power to the titles then that later come right he is my wonderful counselor hmm. right he is the one that i can go to for counsel or you can look at the other definition of counselor meaning judge or advocate right mm-hmm. he is my mighty god right he has this incredible power this almighty power and he can use it for me right hmm. um so I guess then the question can become, how am I doing at accepting or using this amazing gift, right? Mm-hmm. How am I at making sure that he is my everlasting father, the father of the covenant that I've made with him, right? Am I living up to that covenant uh, that I've made at baptism and in the temple? Uh, is he my prince of peace? How am I doing with this? Um, and when we start looking for those personal pronouns, I think they pop up more often than we realize, especially in Isaiah. I mean, even if you look, the other famous, well, one of the other famous messianic prophecies, Isaiah 53, which is going to quote it later on. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for 
our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. That's cool. Just like this idea. I think he's trying to make it obvious to us that he is yours. Jesus Christ is given to you and to me. And when I think, I mean, there's no better gift, mm-hmm. right? There's no better gift. And I was thinking about um, a time a couple Christmases ago uh, where my dad gave us, we were newlyweds. We didn't have very much. Uh, my wife and I and my dad gave us a really nice Christmas gift. And I was, I remember thinking later on Christmas Day, you know, when it settles in, oh my goodness, this is a really nice gift. Um, I remember thinking and going to- In that voice. Yeah, yeah, probably. (laughs) probably, You know how Christmas is, you eat all the candy and then you're, uh. (laughs) But I I remember going to my dad and being like, dad, I don't even know, like, I don't even know how to thank you for this, right? And I think I told you, Mm -hmm. Zach, once what he said. Um, He said, the best way you can thank me is just actually use it. Um, actually use this gift. And, and, and I think if we are, if we're going to actually use this gift of Christ and his enabling power and his grace, that's the best way to say thank you for, for this amazing gift. I don't know if that's cool. Thoughts or comments on the. <laughs> well, I, I, I just read this quote today with a different study, but, uh, it goes here. This is from Elder Bednar, uh, a year and a half ago, um, in his talk, if you had known me. He says, is it possible to exercise faith in him, Christ, follow him, serve him, but not believe him? Hmm. And then he says, I'm acquainted with church members who accept as true the doctrines and principles contained in the scriptures and proclaim from this pulpit. And yet they have a hard time believing those gospel truths apply specifically in their lives and their circumstances. They seem to have faith in the Savior, but they do not believe his promised blessings are available to them or can operate in their lives. Hmm. I also encounter brothers and sisters who fulfill their callings dutifully, but for whom the restored gospel has not yet become a living, transforming reality in their lives. We come to know the Lord as we only, as we not only believe in him, but also believe him and his assurances. And I was just looking at your scriptures and thinking if those pronouns became even more personal for unto me, a child mm-hmm. is born unto me, a son is given or Isaiah 53. He bore my griefs yeah. and carried my afflictions that personal relationship that I can develop with the Savior and what that does does for me and, and what it makes me feel about Him. And we sing about it all the time. We use those personal, I know that my mm-hmm. Redeemer lives. Wow. The Lord is my light. Mm-hmm. And I know in the most important sense that's true. But am I treating Him that way? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Am I making Him my Redeemer and my light? Or am I also going to other sources for redemption and for guidance, right? It, not that those are bad, but... Really, it's the principle of where am I going first, Mm -hmm. right? Do I recognize he can be mine? Do I believe his promise for me? Um, And if we're really going to take Isaiah, and obviously this is God's word, but quoting Isaiah here, right? Or Isaiah being inspired by God. Unto us, this wonderful, wonderful gift was given. He is the gift. And and, uh, I hope that we can treat this gift the way... It's meant to be treated, I guess, is what I'm saying. Let me add here, the uh, seminary teachers, we know this, uh, the, the purpose of seminary, right, is to help the youth and young adults understand and rely on the teachings and atonement of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. And today I had a meeting and one of my leaders said, we help the youth and young adults, but can we add teachers in there? Hmm. And his point was, 
don't the teachers need to understand or rely on the teachings and atonement of Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Like we haven't arrived as seminary teachers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes people listening like, okay, this teaching tip, I'm going to go teach Relief Society or I'm going to teach Elders Quorum or I'm going to teach my kids. Maybe part of it is we need to understand and rely on the teachings of Jesus Christ first or there will be no teaching. Yeah. There will be no power behind that teaching because it's not in us first. And that helps me. I've still got a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> I didn't mean to agree so much. <laughs> Garrett was I'm in so same. quick. To, yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. I'm, in for I'm myself. I'm, I'm done. I'm at the end. <laughs> That's really good. I'm, I'm in the middle of the, in my personal study, in the middle of the, um, well, personal and family study, we're in the middle of these missionary chapters, Alma and Ammon, the sons of Mosiah, mm-hmm. and Amulek and Zeezrom and Coriant and all of these great missionaries, and they all have the same thing in common. They have all had this incredible personal conversion to the Savior. And it doesn't have to start with horrible sin, um, but it does have to have that powerful personal conversion. In order to make any difference in someone else, it has to come from your own changed heart. And I think that change comes in focusing on that personal relationship with the Savior. Yeah, it's just a good self-evaluation question. How many? You could even use these titles yeah. as, a, as a gauge, mm-hmm. right? Um, is he my wonderful counselor? Am I making him my mighty God? Do I recognize him as my mighty God and my Prince of Peace? That's really good. Well, my comments are kind of at the end of Isaiah, and and I guess they pull a little bit from from both of what you guys taught. Um, I mentioned already Isaiah's background is he's embroiled in this time of war, and one of the unique things about this time is that uh, the political advisors of the time are constantly pushing for Judah to ally itself with an outside power in order to get help against the invading Assyrian army. Assyria is this giant nation that's just blooming. It's already taken over or will take over Israel soon, the northern kingdom. And so to protect themselves, uh, Judah either looks to ally themselves with Egypt, or there's some people saying, hey, there's this new up-and-coming power called Babylon. Maybe let's ally ourselves with them. And Isaiah's message over and over is, no, no, we don't need an ally outside of Judah. We need the ally inside Judah. We need, <laughs> we need Jesus of Judah, the lion of Judah to be our, our ally, uh, which is why so many of, pro- of his prophecies focus on proving to people the power of Christ. And so the verses I looked at that kind of, I think, illustrate that is, um, oh, at the end of 20, chapter 20, um, and the beginning of chapter 21, And this is another one of those I've heard explained a different way, and not that that explanation is bad, but, uh, Dan, taking from something you did, erasing the chapter break between 20 and 21, and maybe looking at what Isaiah is going through in his own personal life and applying it to ours, I think makes this make sense. So in verse 33 at the end of chapter 20, because of everything that's happening, behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, shall lop the bough, meaning the top of the trees, with terror. And the high ones of stature shall he hew down, and the haughty shall be humbled, and he shall cut down the thickets of the forest with iron, and Lebanon shall fall by a mighty one. In other words, because of everything that's happened, because of the pride uh, of those in Jerusalem and those in Judah, the Lord is going to allow them to be cut down and allow the high ones to be leveled. Essentially, Judah, this blossoming, blooming tree, is going to be leveled. And so in verse chapter 21... He continues that analogy. There shall come forth a rod, and if you look at other translations, that word is almost always translated uh, as branch. There shall come forth a branch 
Out of the stem, that word is almost always translated as stump. And there shall come forth a branch out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Uh, We read that verse before, that after the destruction of the haughty daughters of Zion, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And in verse 2, it says that, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, this branch, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And if we had time, you could go into each one of those phrases mm-hmm. <laughs> about the branch of the Lord, about this Savior who's coming. And look for examples. Did he ever smite the earth with the rod of his mouth? Did his teachings ever cause that kind of power? Verse 5, And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Um, to look at our world today and and again to think of the moral destruction, uh, the attack and, and even destruction of the, the idea of family, um, even to some degree governmental destruction, political destruction, and all of this turmoil that's happening, I think we're seeing God allowing the tops of the trees to be hewn down. He's mm-hmm. allowing the mighty ones to fall so that in a coming day, a millennial Christ who is that branch that comes out of the stump will come, he'll be the mighty one, he'll be the counselor, he'll be the one that smites the earth with the rod of his mouth, uh, and he will save the world. And that sounds kind of cliche to say it that way, but that's what Jesus will do, right? He'll save the world. Uh, Dan, you said something that made me think, I, I saw an illustration once of Isaiah, someone had drawn a 2D picture of Isaiah on the board, I guess I don't know how you draw a 3D picture of Isaiah on the board, <laughs> <laughs> they, they drew a picture of Isaiah, and they drew uh, this funnel moving away from his face and, and widening as it got further away from him, and they showed how Isaiah is looking at his day, that's the first lens that he's looking through, but he's also looking through his day at the meridian of time when the Savior will come, so he's speaking to both time periods. And then he's also looking forward to the restoration of the gospel. And then he's also looking forward to the last days. And so he'll say something that applies to all four of those lenses. And here's a great example. In his day, the mighty ones are being hewn down. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' day, the mighty ones are being hewn down. They're in Roman captivity. Uh, In the days of the restoration, the mighty ones are, are hewn down. And in our day, we can see that. But in each one of those times... It's the Lord, it's this branch of, of Israel that will come forth and save and win, and ultimately win the war. I think that we see the, the kind of the joyous realization of that, mm. right? In, in chapter 22, I'll let you talk about it. But no, ahead. no, say it, please. Well, I just love, I mean, look at verse one. Oh, Lord, I will praise thee because they recognize that he is their salvation mm-hmm. from all this destruction. And the same in our day, right? Oh, Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou, I mean, oh, and thou comfortest <laughs> me. me, right? And behold. then we get into kind of going back to what I was saying earlier. Behold, God is my salvation. My salvation. I will trust uh-huh. and not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my song and yes. my salvation. <laughs> yes, <in> this, yes. <laughs> um, uh, this whole chapter, therefore, will joy with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. In that day shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention of his name 
that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Garrett's <laughs> still excited. fist pumping. Yeah. So excited. Picture like... Garrett over here. So excited. <laughs> I, I got to can... add a different translation. Go, go. Okay, New go. Living Translation, verse 2. See, God has come to save me. Yes. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. Yes. He has given me victory. Ooh. I like that word victory because the thing I'm getting so excited about is you look at the world we live in and it's really hard to contemplate victory anywhere, <laughs> right? It just seems like perpetual war, political war, physical war, and emotional, spiritual war. Just look at a comment thread on yeah. social media. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anything, right? I mean, there's war anywhere now. And to think that Jesus will come and create victory for the whole world. But I like the idea that Jesus can come today to me and give me victory in my own heart. I don't have to wait until that future millennial day. He is my salvation. He's my strength and my song. And as soon as I make him that, I've won. I really like uh, chapter 24, this prophecy where Isaiah kind of looks backwards at pre-mortality and then looks forwards uh, at the last days. Um, verse 12 in chapter 24 how art thou fallen from oh. heaven, O Lucifer, son mm. of the morning, right? The pre-mortal war, and Lucifer loses, he falls. Art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And then this is the part I've always really liked. Because Isaiah then looks forward and says, in that millennial day when Lucifer is likewise defeated, here's what you will say. You meaning us, meaning... Yeah. If you're out there and you're struggling with Satan, he's tempting you, and maybe you feel like you're losing the war, if you can hang on to Christ and let him be your victory, then you will be able to say verse 16 to Satan, which is, they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. And I picture that, someone squinting their eyes in kind of skepticism, and shall say, and shall consider thee and shall say, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms? and made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof and opened not the house of his prisoners. In other words, this is it. This is the guy that was causing all of this problem. This is the one that was tempting me and causing me pain and anguish and temptation and trial. That's all you are. Victory's easy because I've got someone on my side that's way more powerful than you will ever hope to be. I was going to say one thing, Cal Stevens, when it's talking about how he's going to be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit, mm -hmm. Cal Stevens talks about how that means he's being pushed to the side, even in hell. Mm. Like he won't even be in charge in hell. He mm. wanted to be in charge of everything. He wanted to ascend to, into heaven, exalt my throne above everything mm. else. Even in hell, you're going to be pushed off to the side, right? And I have in my uh, notes here a little a quote from Elder Anderson um, about this idea. This is the man that mm. made the earth to tremble. Um, he said, the devil is a liar and a loser. <laughs> okay? And then he continues and it gets even better. And um, you have to go to the actual like live version of him saying this in general conference. It's uh, 
Beware the Evil Behind the Smiling Eyes, April 2005. Because he's about to make a joke, and it's not in the printed version, okay? Uh, well, most of this is, but one part isn't. The devil is a liar and a loser. The power of the Savior and the power of the devil are not truly comparable. It would be like comparing the greatest army on earth to a runaway band of two-year-olds in the nursery <laughs> armed with water pistols. <laughs> On this planet, however, evil has been allowed a position of influence to give us the chance to choose between good and evil. If we saw what it was really like, the power of the Savior compared to the power of the devil. I mean, that, and that's what we're going to think when yeah. we see what it's really like. This is this the, is the guy? Yeah. This is the guy that made the earth to tremble? Yeah. I like that. Dang. And it makes me just want to hold on because you think it's not worth it to give up something and to give in to him. Uh, we all sin and we all make mistakes. It's not a matter of of sinning or make mistakes. It's a matter of when you sin or make mistake, do you give up? I, mm-hmm. I know personally the feeling that comes to me when I've made a mistake that says, you know what? You've made this mistake before. You're going to make it again. You should just give up. Like, <laughs> quit fighting this particular temptation. Just give in. This is who you are. And I know that Satan saying that, but it's a really tempting thought. This is going to be a long fight. I got 80 more years to live or 70 more. I'm maybe 100, 111. <laughs> however long I'm going to live. Zach's really confident. In his <laughs> yeah. I got a long life to live. And I don't want to fight this war for that many more years. And so maybe I'll just give in. And to think, oh, at that last moment when you look at him, you don't want to be the one that's sitting, oh, man, I threw it all away for this. You want to be the one that says, I held on, looking at God's kingdom, saying, I held on for this. This is what I... This is what I wanted. This is what he wanted for me. Amen. <laughs> well, if we can, we've we've been through a lot uh, in this study, and there's so much more. We could have gone a hundred different places, a thousand different places, uh, and hopefully you're walking out of this not just saying this was a helpful study for you, but hopefully you're walking out of this saying, hey, I think I could do this. I think I could look at the Isaiah chapters with a lot less fear and a lot more excitement and think... Boy, if I look for Christ and I look for uh, comparing Isaiah's day to my day, slow down a little bit, maybe I can get some of this stuff out of Isaiah too. And then you go and you teach it to someone. So if we can finalize then, uh, to you guys, the question is, we're all familiar, most of us familiar with the, the key that Nephi gives in understanding Isaiah back in 1 Nephi 19 when he says, I will liken the words of Isaiah unto us that it might be for our profit and learning. And then later on he says, so that it might be for our hope and persuade us to come to Christ. That that tip likening means to take something that Isaiah is talking about and then relate it to my life. And so if that's our general teaching tip, what ideas do you guys have? What have you used in helping to teach, either specifically teach Isaiah or Isaiah chapters, or uh, just teaching maybe tougher blocks of scriptures. How do you help people liken the scriptures to their own situation so that they can come to them with this kind of passion and energy that, that we found today? I start with go find something that makes sense. Hmm. If you can liken something, it will give you confidence in Isaiah because it gets a terrible reputation, mm-hmm. right? And Everywhere. But if you can just say go find something that you can share with your neighbor or share with the class that makes sense to you, all of a sudden they see, oh, okay, I can do this. Yeah. And it's not that scary. I want to use your example, too, of slowing down and looking at smaller verses and smaller chunks. There are some great, just powerful phrases that Isaiah gives. He's an incredible literary genius poet. and I use the phrase one-liners. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even if you just get a one-liner out of it, and that's mm-hmm. fine. That's all I did was just, yeah. unto us, a child is born. That was a cool one-liner, and, and it meant a lot to me. And I think if you can get those one-liners, that helps. Mm-hmm. If you're teaching it and you 
Uh, even you did this at the very beginning. You talked about how, yes, there's this physical warfare going on. Mm-hmm. But just ask the question, even if you just have the question in the back of your mind, how is this like, how can I liken mm. this to me? Or how can this apply to me? Then you just did it. You said, let's think about the spiritual side of this as mm-hmm. well. And and I think even if you just ask the question, then, then it can come up naturally. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I've I've gotten a lot of mileage out of I think part of any teaching responsibility, whether it's a Sunday teaching responsibility or teaching your family, um, is to go through that wrestle. Um, what matters to the people I'm teaching? What are they going through? Yeah. And as I'm studying the scriptures, if I can study with that person in mind, then I've noticed that God will point things out to me that maybe I don't really care about, but I know the person I'm teaching cares about. Um, of course, that requires a lot of love. I love the the new uh, manuals that have come out for for teaching in the Savior's way. And the very first chapter is to love those you teach. And that's to me, seems to be the most important way to understand what's going on in someone's life. If I'm a gospel doctrine teacher, step one in teaching gospel doctrine is shaking people's hands on Sunday, getting to know them, visiting with them during the week, talking to them, learning what's going on in their life, loving them. And then when I prepare my lesson on the Isaiah chapters, I'm thinking, boy, I know that sister so-and-so is really going through this right now. And in fact, I know three people that are going through that. And as I'm studying Isaiah, the Lord's going to point out, look at these five verses right here where Isaiah is talking about exactly what they're going through. Let's go there today. Well, any final thoughts or comments before we sign off, friends? Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, That's what I would say is thank you. This is really cool. And thank you to those of you who are listening. And we're just three guys trying to understand Isaiah the best we can. And and, uh, Hopefully something we said was helpful. Thank you, Zach and Krista, for everything you're doing. I think this is awesome. Uh, a really, really cool service that you guys are providing just out of the, the love that's in your heart. So thank you. Oh, it's mutual. Thank you guys so much. I know that uh, it was nervous for us to start our first episode. And now that we're 10 episodes in, we are so, <laughs> so seasoned at this. So I have no nervousness at all. But. But I know it can be kind of nerve-wracking, but you, this was so much fun, and I can guarantee to our listeners, I know you're going to love this episode, uh, and I can already tell that this is going to be something we're going to do quite often because uh, it, this is so good. And these guys are looking at me like they're not going to do it again. So if you want to hear more of Garrett and Dan, wherever you get your podcast, or if you want to just send me an email at scripturestudyproject at gmail.com or go to our website, scripturestudyproject.podbean.com. Uh, or comment to us. Find me on on uh, Instagram at millennial.mormon. Um, hit me up on any of those places and tell me how much you loved Garrett and Dan being on the podcast. I will collect all of them and use them to persuade them to come back for future episodes. But it doesn't count if it's our wives and our, and our moms. My mom's gonna make like five different accounts and comment on each of them. More Dan. Well, thank you guys so much, and thank you to all of our listeners, and uh, we will see you next episode. Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth. Diction is done with the tip of the tongue and the teeth. Right there. Keep going. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. All right. <laughs>
Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project, a fresh and faithful <laughs> study. I just pictured, you know, and sometimes we're like, <laughs> if we both started, like, oh, I thought it was, okay, you go ahead, you go ahead. All together, all together. Okay. <clears throat> welcome, welcome to the Scripture. <laughs> okay. Uh, the first and last time on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, well, those are great. The one I use is a lot like Dan's. I use uh, Bible Hub, or not Bible. That's what you use. It's a great idea. Did you get on screen? <clears throat> nope. I sat in between Jesus two air directors. Jesus wants me for a sun. Sunbeam. <laughs> that was good. Oh. <laughs> That wasn't me. That wasn't my fault. That was solid. Okay, okay. <laughs> you just read it again. Yeah, you just read it again. No, I didn't, but I, now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. Zach, compose yourself. <laughs> I'm a professional. Oh. <laughs> he is kidding me. Remember, you agreed to 98%. You did 98%. I'll lose all my sponsors after this. 